Changing it up. I just, I feel compelled. <laughs> well, welcome to our podcast. This is the part I don't get. I am Bay, And I am Jay. And this is episode 54. I believe it is 54. Oh, yes. Okay. I, I was going to write on the thing, um, on like the, the title, I was going to say 50 something. <laughs> <laughs> and just kind of leave it up to you to figure it out but yeah I think it's I decided to to look into what number it was it is I believe it's 50 what you just said <laughs> okay <laughs> I like, can't cool. remember yeah. somewhere in the 50s <laughs> yeah it was like a crazy nice outside today yes oh my gosh I sat outside when I was working from home I really look at you I know Uh, well obviously like if I got a call or something I would go inside for well yeah I know but But, like when you're like on your computer doing stuff I know yeah it was really nice I went for a walk that's good it was nice no jacket I tell you I've always had this thing with myself like the best day of the year is the very first day you wear flip-flops oh like comfortable such a treat I could have worn flip-flops today, but I did not. So it is not quite the best day of the year yet, but it is coming. Yeah, it's it's definitely coming. I hope it stays this way. Yeah. And I was I was telling my husband, I was like, this is this is perfect for me. Like for me personally, this is the best weather. It's like in the 70s. Yeah. Me too. No humidity, no snow, nice breeze. Perfect. I feel like an old lady, but did you, uh, did you take your, your new, uh, newest member of the family for a walk? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. She is, um, a dog for anyone who is wondering. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, she loves going outside. She, she's like Aww. a major outside dog. She just kind of like explores and I'm like, I don't know how there could potentially be any new smells in this backyard. I know, right? All kind of the same. But the way she acts is as though it's like the first time she's ever, you know, smelled a smell. Yeah, she loves being outside. So that was a big motivating factor to go outside. So my husband was very happy that I got up and went outside. I was like, <laughs> I can't. It's far too nice outside. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't remember whose turn it is. So I'm going to ask you. I think it's me, but I could be just completely making that up. I think it might be me. <laughs> All right. Then you are welcome to go first. Do you have an, a positive one or a negative one? Or, um, well, not negative, but serious or. It's, it's more the negative side, but I wouldn't say it's super serious, you know? All right. It's not like, not like political or anything. Well, I wouldn't say so. I guess some of <laughs> <do> that. <laughs> it's a multifaceted conversation but it is definitely I feel like it definitely hits like the weird aspect actually I feel like it's something you are more likely to do because it kind of involves like not mother nature but like accident type things when you think of me you think of mother nature that's so lovely yes no it kind of reminded me of like the the one with the factory where the um 
there was the the spill what was it called the um molasses molasses, the molasses yeah. flood yeah i don't it, i i don't know i kind of feel like if it only it had been a factory yeah um so i was actually inspired by <laughs> i've been watching that episode that show 911 with um starring jennifer love hewitt our childhood you know favorite oh channel. okay so like the dramatization yes. show. okay Not and it's called <laughs> this know. is just literally the word the letter uh, that the word the numbers 911 and it also has um angela bassett as a bad okay i know who you're talking about yeah what channel is that on is it on, on like fox. fx oh, okay fox. and they okay. also have a spin-off called 911 lone star with none other than rob lowe <laughs> he's really wow rob's really, really made it really changed his yeah uh, I, changed I have it yet up. to watch that one but um <laughs> long but yeah. way since uh since the outsiders you know he's really gone a long way okay i mean he did you know lifetime movies where he played like there was one where he played like this creepy killer and he was supposed to be the original mcdreamy like they wanted didn't they offer it to him and he said no Oh, really? I'm that, almost positive. I can see that because he does kind of have a Patrick Dempsey look to he him. He looks a lot like, yeah. And they were both like, was it 80s or 90s? They were like 80s stars. Yeah, right? I think 80s. Although he, he did pretty well with, um, oh God, what uh, Parks and Rec. Oh, yeah. So okay. although Grey's Anatomy, that shit went, is still on, but yeah. I know. Serious. Yeah. So anyway, so. 911 I just it's just a, an easy one to watch it's an easy watch got, they got mm-hmm. literally every single thing that could happen every <laughs> natural disaster um okay. and you know that you got the love dramas going on of course and, and like the family drama so it's got all in one really um so in one of the episodes uh someone almost dies because they almost drown in quicksand <laughs> and so okay. that was that was going to be my original topic but when I looked up quicksand um kind of was a dud because apparently you <laughs> can't actually die in quicksand unlike you know what they used to always show in the movies yeah you can't it won't take you down yeah apparently at some level you start to float so which i guess is good news um the bad news is <laughs> i found another kind of a side related topic called grain entrapment um which is people who in silos and shit yes this oh my god that is thing. immediately what i thought of <laughs> that's exactly right <laughs> it's like in a, a quiet place the kids fall in the silo and they almost oh i forgot about that like, the corn oh i totally forgot about that part yeah because they like climb to the top of the silo so that they can see like the fire signal from a distance yeah so they know that it's like clear but then like the opening at the top like falls through and that's why they're kind of like surfing on the the thing yeah. and they're falling through yeah that's the first thing i think of yeah that's actually pretty realistic in terms of what i've read but so just a general definition from wikipedia all of my information this is from wikipedia um grain entrapment occurs when a person becomes submerged in grain such as rice wheat oats etc and they cannot get out without assistance it most frequently occurs in grain bins and other storage facilities, such as, as you mentioned, silos or grain elevators, or in grain transportation vehicles. Um, but it can, it has also been known to occur in any large quantity of grain, even freestanding piles outdoors. Really? Um, so 
It occurs when the grain suddenly collapses, which they call entrapment. Um, and though, although um, OSHA, which is like the health um, the work safety. People, yeah. Right? Thank you. Yeah. The work safety inspection people, they um, forbid, let me, let me back up. So um, what happens is people will sometimes walk on the grain to um, like expedite the flow from top to bottom. Um, and then it'll feel like it's stable, which is called like a grain bridge where it's like this part that feels stable, but it's really not. And then um, before you know it, you're starting to sink. But um, so OSHA forbids any sort of like, I guess, walking on grains or, um, you know, any of this kind of being around grains where you could potentially fall in. Um, it's forbidden at larger commercial facilities, but not smaller farms. Um, so that's kind of where the, the problem seems to happen. And it's, it happens a lot with kids. Um, right. Just like in the middle. Yeah, exactly. So it, it takes only seconds to sink um, it, and then minutes to suffocate. And then they say hours to locate or recover the person. Or oh, I can see that. At that yeah. point, it's probably it's a body. that much. Yeah, I watched a video and it is really, it is scary. I'll have to post it on our Facebook page, but it's like, it did just- Did the person get, did they survive? Oh, it was, sorry, it wasn't an actual person. It was a dummy. It was like a, a simulator. Oh, a simulator. Yeah. Okay. Oh God, yeah, that would have been I was like, scary. maybe we shouldn't post that. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But I mean, it was just like, it just sucks them right in. Um, so it, it has a high fatality rate. Um, the last like information they had was, uh, or the highest amount of deaths was in 2010 and that was 26. And like I said, mostly minors, um, which, you know, on a, a larger scale, doesn't sound like a lot, especially with COVID and everything that we hear every day, but still, I mean, for such a, what you would think a preventable way to die. <laughs> yeah. Um, so basically you only have a chance of escaping on your own if it, the highest it can get is up to your knees. Once it gets past your knees, you need somebody else. Um, really? Yeah, so once it gets to your waist, uh, you need definite assistance by at least like one other person. And then when it gets to your chest, it says you need a formal rescue required. Um, so we'll get a little bit more into that <laughs> in a little bit, but um, then they talk about engulfment, which is when you're basically completely immersed in the grain. And that happens to about half of the victims. Um, it, it puts extreme pressure on the body because That's of the what weight. I was thinking. Yeah. I know you wouldn't like, it's weird because it's like, you know, when you pick up some grain, it's like, Oh, it's, it's like light. squeezing you. Right. Yeah. Because there's the so content. much. Yeah. yeah. So the extreme pressure on the body from the weight of the grain, um, and people have compared it to like feeling like concrete or cement uh, makes it very difficult to breathe. Um, it, it's so heavy that you can't even wiggle your toes. Like, so you can't do anything to help yourself get out. Yeah. That's why I was thinking when you said, so if it scary. gets up to your chest, yeah, then that's You're, probably why. Yeah. Um, and not only that, it's difficult for blood circulation, which reduces oxygen to the cells. Um, which, you know, causes even more problems, more toxins get in your body. 
And so they say that survival depends on keeping your airway unobstructed. And they said you can do this by finding an air pocket, which apparently um, because grain, you know, is the way it is, there, it, there is a good chance that you could find an air pocket in there. How you do that, I don't know. <laughs> I guess you, if you can't move, especially. I, <laughs> I know, yeah, that's, that's a good yeah. point. And there was one um, survivor that he found an air pocket and was able to stay in there for like three hours. Oh my God. Um, I know, talk about claustrophobia. nightmare. I know, ever. hopefully this doesn't trigger you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I, I can't, like when stuff like that happens on TV, like I literally cannot watch it. Yeah. I watched that really terrible, terrible Blair Witch 3 movie. And she was like crawling through like this little tunnel. I, I had to fast forward through it. So I can't, I, I, mm. if it, for like long periods of time, someone's stuck in something like that. Mm, like that movie, um, was it just called Buried with? Uh... I surprisingly was able to watch that. Cause I was like on a date. Really? That so was I tough. Had to be like cool. I, like I'm not even claustrophobic, <laughs> but that one I was like, oh God. Oh, you, you were trying to be cool. Yeah, I couldn't exactly like lose it. <laughs> you know like, it was a first date so well, was was this the uh sniffling and toe tapping guy no no oh, okay. that was another movie i wonder what movie that was <laughs> no no this was the alien person oh okay I really liked aliens or extraterrestrials we should say <laughs> I, we should have called him for our um alien oh, yeah. episode. he could have been our expert there you go <laughs> well we'll keep him on standby yeah <laughs> Um, so in 2013, a man in Iowa um, was wearing a battery-powered mask that filtered out dust, be, dust, dust because he had asthma. Um, so he wore it anyway, and he ended up being engulfed in, uh, or he was engulfed two feet below the surface of 22,000 U.S. bushels of corn, out um, in a 80,000 U.S. bushel bin. Uh, the, res- the, the respirator mask enabled him to survive. He did drift in and out of consciousness and um, he was in there for five hours until he was rescued. Oh, and they gosh. had to drain the, the bin slowly after efforts to pull him through the rope um, did not work. And when he came out, his heart rate was 173 beats per minute. Um, and they said near his maximum <laughs> and he was hospitalized for two days after. So but that, that damn mask saved his life. Mm-hmm. So um, another interesting thing that I found was that rescue is very difficult. Cause I was like, I can imagine, oh. especially if it's a silo. Yeah. But I was like, you know, you know, just like, you know, toss a rope around them and haul or like crane them, you know, <laughs> but um, so, well, one thing, one reason it's difficult is because most grain storage facilities are in farms in rural areas. So, you know, they're not usually close to a hospital or yeah. near emergency, you know, facilities. Um, and many toxic gases such as nitrogen oxide and also carbon dioxide um, come from spoiling grain and that can cause, um, you know, make it hard to breathe. I, I never thought like green could like you know produce a silent color I know right um and then even temperature extremes so uh they use like a big fan to cool the green and that makes it um the grain itself 
ends up being like 30 to 40 degrees uh, because of the, the fan um, mm-hmm. and the chilling process they use. So if you're engulfed, um, this can cause hypothermia. But then on the other side, um, the bin itself or the silo gets really hot because of the de- decaying grain, which apparently releases heat um, <laughs> and lack of ventilation. And it can actually get up to 120 degrees in the bin. So the rescuers, yeah. So the rescuers have to be really careful um, and have to like, you know, make sure they take breaks and they're monitored. Cause I mean, you're, that's a several hour process. It sounds like, um, and to make matters worse, uh, the grain creates friction that resists force to pull out the victim. So it's not just like, let me pull you out. You know, um, you need a, about 400 pound force to lift someone out only buried at the waist, assuming they're about, I think 200 pounds, um, and then you need 900 pound force if they are fully engulfed. So it's like, I like, I mean, a that's lot. a lot of strength. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you need like what five bodybuilders? <laughs> um, some sort of a machine. I yeah, think. definitely a machine. So it's uh, rescue usually requires um, the rescuers like building some sort of makeshift wall around the victim like with, um, they're called like chicken wire and plywood and things like that. And then they recruit, they create basically like a dam within the grain. And then they just start, it said removing it by hand, but that's got to take forever. Yeah. Um, and then another option is cutting a hole in the side of the storage facility. But they said, even with that, you have to use an engineer and be very precise, um, because it can suck the victim in even more and then it said it could also cause like a dust explosion okay it's <laughs> a thing but they said that's never happened like in in cases of the people being engulfed um and it's like who has an engineer just standing around that can do that <laughs> on any moment's notice um and then of course you know there's a lot of after effects um like people have had painful contusions due to the pressure. Um, one person went into a coma because the toxins that had built up in his blood from yeah, that you know, compression not having syndrome. Oxygen. What's that? It's like compression syndrome. Oh, is that like the bends? Like uh, when you're coming up out of the water from scuba? I don't know. It could probably is kind of similar. The only reason why I know about it is because of that house episode where that girl gets crushed and they're like we have to like amputate they had to amputate her leg because what they were saying is like when they release you from that pressure then all the toxins will flood into your body and then essentially poison you because they've all been you know stuck in this one part of your body and they haven't been able to free flow so they were like okay we'll amputate this to kind of save you from that but I know it's like it happens like I think when people get in car crashes yeah that they get crushed and then they can't be saved because even though they're still alive like if they were to take whatever it is off of them then they die oh something I mean it's got to have to do with the blood flow I'm guessing yeah well yeah I think I think that's definitely the same thing with you know the toxins sounds like that guy just barely made it um more uh, than half of entrapments occur in corn. Um, also, That's what I was thinking. Yeah. 
um never gonna look at corn the same way not to mention we have so much corn in this country yeah that's what they're saying because you know it's used for like other a lot of other you know a lot of other things um they also said like soybeans oats wheat lax canola or other pop you know common ones that where they see um the entrapment um accidents um, also they said the highest incidence of the entrapments are in the quote corn bell states or corn belt states. What states are those? <laughs> um, those are Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Minnesota, and Ohio. Okay. <laughs> didn't know there was such thing. thing I didn't know belt. there were corn belt states either. I thought that was pretty <laughs> not universal, um, but you know. Yeah. But I guess it makes sense more like kind of the Midwest areas. Um, and Iowa has had the most incidents of grain entrapment with 165 in 2019. So I thought um, it was only 26 a year. So that's 26 so deaths. deaths. Yeah, oh, I know. I had okay. to go back. I was like, wait, I was confused about that. And that was 2010. I couldn't find a more like recent, recent statistic yeah. for deaths, but it's, um, so in 2011, they, uh, tried to propose regulations um, where they made it so that like even small farm, you know, small town farms um, had to have certain rules and regulations to keep, you know, letting their farmers or kids like go in the silo. Um, but it was pretty much shut down even by like democratic uh, senators um, because they felt that it, it would prevent like the parents from having like any control and just like even if they just ask their kids to do a chore or something oh okay yeah i don't know what the regulations actually said but i guess it was very like maybe a little too strict and um like even like parents of the of kids who had died even said like this is a little too much so (laughs) um so there still is no any like governmental regulations um, to stop, um, or to help with, you know, safety for minors. Um, if you're, you know, so you're, if you're working for your parents' farm, like (laughs) you're on your own, better, better get some. I would assume a lot of them know about the date, the potential danger. Yeah, you would think so, but it's like, why does this, you know, keeps happening? But I guess, you know, I'm assuming it used to be worse, but then they said, you know, 2010 was like an all time high. So it's like, Um, (laughs) I know, I know they have, like, I saw, yeah, I saw online, like a lot of safety videos. And I think they're trying to just bring awareness to it, um, you know, to get people to, you know, stop (laughs) being in those situations. So, but I, you know, I don't know if there's like, if it's one of those things where do they have to like, you know, do they have to be like standing on the, <laughs> on the on grain? The like it's, there's gotta be yeah. a way around it, but it's probably like, it probably involves, you know, expensive materials and stuff to make it Maybe probably just like, Oh, it's just easier to do it myself. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I have never been up close and personal in any kind of grain storage facility. I haven't either. Yeah. I've never been inside of I've a seen silo. Them. Or I've probably seen them like, you know. Yeah. From a distance. But yeah. Never like closely. 
I wouldn't think it would be a priority to have to, to, to go on top of it that frequently, but yeah. But yeah, that's, that is my, my topic. So in short, you cannot die from quicksand. Yes. So 911. Yes. Got it wrong. Well, actually, technically the guy didn't die from that either, but, but they had to like, he, you know, it was like, he was really close. (laughs) He was almost going under. I think I found out about that from, uh, the, I guess it would have been like the, what was it? Like the, the latest Indiana Jones movie, like the fourth one. Probably. He said, they're like, oh, it's quicksand. And he was like, oh, this is not quicksand. This is like, he had like a weird teaching moment, right? As they're sinking to their death. <laughs> it's something like, like quicksand, but it's technically something else because of like the contents inside of it are different. Some sort of pit, but not a grain pit, some, some other something. And then I was like, oh, isn't that interesting? <laughs> is that where he was like, oh, you can't die? yeah and they're like go get a rope or whatever and then (laughs) Shia LaBeouf goes and gets a snake because it's like a big thing that you know he doesn't like snakes he's like it's just a snake it it won't hurt you or like it's like it's not one of those snakes that bite or you know eat people I don't know not like the Jennifer Lopez movie oh but yeah all right so it's interesting because mine is kind of like um like a medical one too i mean yours like isn't soup it wasn't like medical but it definitely had a lot of to do with like the human body yeah um so i was watching um adam ruins everything you know it's not on the air anymore but i love that show so i was like i'm i'm bored i'll rewatch. like i'll see if i can rewatch this and in the one of the first or second episodes is like Adam Ruins giving, which is kind of funny. They always pick things that like everyone thinks everyone is like does. a totally normal. Thing. I know that's why I'm like I don't always like watching that show because every <laughs> literally he ruins everything. Yeah, like the one he ruined like cars, you know. And I was like, well, now you're making me feel bad because I'm driving to work. <laughs> um, so in the giving you talk about all different kinds of giving you know and some of them I already knew probably because I had seen the show a long time ago and just kind of blocked it out of my mind but the the one thing that he mentioned that was really interesting was about donating blood and that's something that you know we all think of as being a very positive thing and it is let mm-hmm. me just at the very beginning say <laughs> donating blood is a good thing and people should continue to donate blood. But what he said was, quote, if you run out to give blood after a major disaster, you're doing it wrong, end quote. So my topic is all about how mass blood drives are actually bad and really? they're kind of wasteful and they're not doing what people think. They're not benefiting <laughs> the people in the way that they assume that they're doing. Like for example, after like a major disaster or something like that. So mass blood drives became an American civic tradition because of World War II, because huge amounts of blood were needed uh, for the military. So people were urged to go out and donate blood at that time. So now it's really become a habit for the US at least that whenever there's a big tragedy in the news, people flock to donate blood. 
And there is a problem with this because blood actually expires. Didn't know that, but it does. Did not know that either. And we end up with a lot more blood in the blood banks than we actually need. So it takes at least an hour, hour and 15 minutes to donate your blood, assuming that there is no line. Then it takes two days for your blood to make its way to storage. And then from there, it gets shipped to any hospital in the United States, sold to other blood banks, or swapped from, uh, for other blood types in response to local needs. So just like you know, milk and eggs, blood is actually perishable. And if red blood cells aren't used within 42 days, they are generally destroyed. Um, because they literally have an expiration date, which I was completely unaware of. One of the most famous uh, examples of this, and there are so many news articles about this, um, was September 11th. So after September 11th, you know, we had a huge, if anybody was around, there was a huge surge of like, you know, American civic duty and you know coming together and trying to help one another and donate money donate time donate resources so of course it makes sense that people would be like okay i'm gonna go donate blood and after september 11th many americans went to donate blood but they ended up with more way more blood than they could use in the blood banks and were forced to trash over three hundred thousand pints of blood in the end. So by September 14th, the Health and Human Services Department held a meeting and um, at which the nation's leading blood banking organizations all agreed to put out a statement to to Americans saying, stay home. Do not come here and donate your blood. blood. Because there were so many people already. That's that's just, you know, three days later. Well, I guess it's good that they got, you know, enough they got way more than they needed yeah so they were about to issue this statement when the red cross let who at the time was red led by a man named dr um or maybe it wasn't a man i don't know but dr bernadine healy uh and that person said what the red cross did was irresponsible and dangerous oh wait hold on wait maybe i'm talking about the wrong person Okay, wait, excuse me, I'm sorry. There's like two different doctor names next to each other. So anyway, so the health and human services departments and the leading blood banks were all in the in agreement saying, you know, we need to issue a statement telling people to stay home and not come and not donate. But then there was, you know, a miscommunication and uh, they ended up telling people to keep donating. So they ended up saying the opposite. Uh, of what would have been more helpful. And I think that a lot of that had to do, I think a lot of it had to do with the the Red Cross. Uh, So Dr. Ronald Gilcher says, quote, what the Red Cross did was irresponsible and dangerous. So Dr. Ronald Gilcher is the president and CEO of the Oklahoma Blood Institute. Um, They, Gilcher says, quote, they actually told people the opposite. They told them to keep donating, end quote. And the Red Cross at the time was being led by what they call a headstrong Dr. Bernadine 
Healy. So I'm assuming that Healy just completely disagreed with the Health and Human Services Departments and the other leading blood, blank, blood banking organizations and was like, nope, we need, we need more blood. So <clears throat> the nation collected about 572,000 more units of blood in the three months following September 11th than it would have otherwise. So that's a huge surplus. I found this article entitled Bad Blood, hardy har, mm -hmm. uh, according to the studies by veteran blood banker, Dr. Paul J. Schmidt. I always love reading people's names on here. I always feel like a news anchor. Uh, <laughs> after almost every major disaster of the last 25 years, including, for example, the Kansas City Hyatt Regency hotel collapse in 1981, the Oklahoma City bombing in 1995, or the Columbine High School shooting in 1999, people have all rushed out to donate blood but the local blood banks already usually have enough blood on their shelves to take care of the wounded in these particular situations. And that's from Dr. Paul J. Schmidt. The article mentioned that many times when there are large accidents, unfortunately, there's also large death rates. So in reality, there's fewer oh. people surviving long enough to even need the wow. blood. Yeah, For, like, like a big bombing, or right. an airplane crash, for example, which is not what we think of. We think of all oh, those poor people, let's go out and help them. We don't think like, you know, that they're, they're you know. Yeah, it's almost like you have to think of like the families. Exactly, I know, yeah, it's more but... about how did this happen? Let's prevent it in the future. And of course, yeah. save whoever you can. And then of course the families. It's important to note that many people donating isn't bad after a local disaster one blood center can always ship its overflow to another center since the blood pipeline if you will needs a constant infusion of of new blood but when the entire nation does this that's when it becomes an issue like in september 11th and and i'm telling you like it was just article after article after article and i was trying to research like on a broader sense some like other examples of why mass donations have gone wrong but every single one kept listing this major faux pas of 9-11 a lot of that had to do with like money too so they had something called the liberty fund and um again a uh, little bit of research that i did not a ton so i could very easily be saying this wrong but they spent a lot of money on like uh, freezing the blood essentially that was donated during that time period. And I believe a lot of it ended up just being unusable. And they even had like the FDA do like an emergency thing where they could, you know, say, I could be saying this wrong, but almost like saying like, you know, to kind of push the limits of what was and was not acceptable of the blood, just, you know, to kind of so that so that we wouldn't have to waste as much of it as you know so that you wouldn't have to throw away good blood you know mm -hmm. trying to make it so that we could use as much of it as possible to benefit the most people as possible which is good and of course everyone who donated did it you know for a good reason uh so often the input of blood donations slow down apparently during the holidays or summer vacation time. And that's why you likely are more likely to hear 
blood centers and blood banks issuing emergency appeals to the public around Christmas and 4th of July. Oh, so I thought it was because they were just, you know, it's a giving time. So they thought people would be more likely to give. Apparently not. And they said it's because people are more likely to just be busy, you know, doing other things, (laughs) (laughs) doing other things. So I, I would recommend those are two very good times to donate according to the articles that I read around December and July, you know, those are good times to donate blood. And because uh, donating blood is very, very important all year round. So what they're saying is don't flock during right as soon as a disaster happens. You can easily wait a couple of months, then go out and then, you know, your blood will yeah. you know, still yeah. be very, very helpful. So blood banks do need donations year round and an estimated percentage of only 5% of Americans regularly donate. One of those people is definitely my dad. He's there constantly. My entire life, my dad has donated blood and plasma like my his entire uh, my entire life and i was like where are you going go to donate blood you know he's constantly going to donate blood this man is just like a big blood bank and we even got invited to some sort of dinner for people who were like big donators <laughs> it's funny because it's not like yeah i didn't know they kept track <laughs> and like we went to this dinner for like i'm guessing it was red cross and they like you know it was me and my family you know to to you know say thank you to it was like I guess a bunch of other donators too and they were like all like him they were like older guys you know that are all just donating blood and then they brought their families to this Um, I feel like we ate like roast beef or something I don't know I, (laughs) I, I feel like I was kind of on the younger end so I don't really remember much of it but they were like because he's donated so much So um, I just out of pure curiosity, I was just wondering like how much blood is in the human body. So the, an adult will have approximately 1.2 to 1.5 gallons or 10 units of blood in their body. And blood is approximately 10% of an adult's weight. According to healthline.com and and the American Red Cross, um, donating just one pint of blood can save more than one person's life and the u.s needs about thirty-six thousand pints of blood a day it's estimated that someone needs blood like in a hospital or in a medical situation statistically every two seconds so the most sought after donors are those with type o blood because they're considered universal donors woot woot represent 100%, whose blood can be matched with those belonging to any of the four blood types A, B, A, B, and O. And that was it. That's my topic. <laughs> oh, that's really interesting. I, I, that's why yeah. I like Adam Ruins Everything because yeah. he definitely makes you think what I hope we do <laughs> you know, on occasion. Yeah. Well, know, it's also good to know like that you know, to, okay, not to donate blood at this time, but maybe another time it'll be more helpful. I realized I haven't, like, I think I tried to donate blood a while ago and, you know, something about my hemoglobin or something, but Mm. I I should, I really should try again. I wonder, 
I bet people have been donating less with COVID. So there were a lot of articles that I was going to say too that mentioned that it's still extremely important to continue to donate during COVID and that yeah. there was definitely a major decline in the number of people donating blood. As I, I mean, I really, I can completely 100% understand why because we were in shutdowns we were in lockdowns people weren't even allowed to get you know your yearly checkups or going to the dentist at one point in the very beginning I remember like a lot of you could only really have like emergency procedures in the very beginning when things were shut down for like that first month last April so in the beginning when things were shutting down I think probably around April May and then June I think people just stopped donating. So they said that, you know, it's still important to donate and they are taking things very seriously as always, you know, with the blood donating, donating process. So you should definitely continue because they are taking the safety precautions that are necessary. And dad certainly didn't stop donating. That's for sure. <laughs> I don't um, think your dad stopped much of anything. <laughs> uh, that's true. Um, but yeah, so he's already, he's still donating. And I will admit, I've never donated blood. Ever? Um, ever. No. Mm. Um, I've just like, it's just, I've just never really thought about it. Uh, it's definitely something I would do for sure. Um, and I, and I, you know, this article that, that I read and well, several articles that I read definitely inspired me. I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go yeah. out Yeah. Well, I feel like they used to have a lot more like locations. Like I remember they came to our school and I did it there once and like our high school. Yeah. See, where was I that day? Because I feel like I remember you talking <laughs> about this. Did you have to be 18 though? That, I, that's what I was just trying to say. You're older than me by one year. So maybe you were able to do it. Yeah, I, I definitely it. think I was a senior. Uh, I, I remember they did it in the Ertzman Theater. I don't know. Where was I? You're My probably God. skipping. No, I'm <laughs> Oh, so true. <laughs> so true. I just remember, I don't know. The reason I remember is because like, I like got up maybe a little too quickly. And I was like, oh, I don't. Like, I feel a little woozy. And they're like, sit down. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> like, it wasn't like I was going to pass out. I was just like, huh, I feel a little, little light, you know? <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel like that all the time. Like, Eat this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. So, so I, it definitely inspired me to go out and to donate. So I'm, that's something that I'm definitely yes. going to do soon. We'll have to keep this in our minds in July and December. Yes. Yes. Sure. When summertime comes around, we'll have a donating. I day. know. <laughs> right. When I come back from the beach, <laughs> my plans are really important. <laughs> well, but yeah, but that was it. So, um, look at us both keeping it short tonight. I know. Right. We've had a couple of really long ones recently, so I'm yeah. totally fine with having a short episode. So look us up on Facebook and Instagram on this is the part I don't get and email us at the part I don't get at gmail.com. And I hope everybody has a wonderful and safe evening. <laughs> Good Bye. night. We love you. <laughs> Good night. Bye. Bye. <laughs>